you can holler, you can applaud, you can scream, you can do anything you want. I can't hear you anyway. <laughs> Hi everyone, I'm Kyler Bingham and you're listening to the Salt Lake Dirt Podcast. On today's show we have Duncan Birmingham, who is a writer, TV producer, and filmmaker based out of Los Angeles. His book, The Cult of My Garage, comes out August 9th on Moblin House. Um, book of short stories, excellent. I, I, I totally <laughs> fell in love with this book and we're going to talk a lot about um, the collection in the episode here. Duncan... Um, was a was a writer and a executive producer on both the IFC series of Marin, starring Mark Marin, and then um, Blunt Talk over on Stars, uh, Jonathan Ames's show. So uh, two shows that um, are highly rewatchable. I love Marin. Um, Blunt Talk was the last thing of Jonathan Ames's work that I had yet to see or read, um, and then I, I just. Um, a couple months ago bought the series and and watched it and fell in love with that as well so if you like those shows if you like Marin and you like blunt talk um, you definitely need to pick up duncan's book the cult in my garage you'll love it Um, i highly recommend you order or pick up a copy at skylight books in los feliz california Um, i will put a link uh, so that'll make it easy for you to do so Um, very excited to have duncan on the show um, I really enjoyed our conversation. I look forward to having him back on again. I'm here with Duncan Birmingham. His new book, The Cult in My Garage, uh, is released by uh, Maudlin House on August 8th, I believe. That's right. Great. So I had the chance to read the whole thing, and I got to say, as far as like a, a book of, of short stories. I don't think I've ever read a book of short stories so fast. Um, it was because <laughs> usually I have a book of short stories. I'll read one, put it aside, go to bed. Um, and, you know, part of the reason obviously was I, I knew I was going to speak with you, but I was, I just, I read over half of the book in one night. I stayed up way too long and I was just absolutely loving these short stories. I mean, they're, they're awesome. I was like, I was very jealous. I'm like, man, what a great idea. <laughs> How did I not come up with that? Such um, funny and endearing and just like incredible stuff. So um, I'm kind of curious because you, you you have a background in television. Uh, another reason why I wanted to speak with you, one of my favorite shows is the IFC show Marin. Oh, great. You, great. That you, were you and Brad Pitt. Of. Yeah, I, I heard that episode. Yeah. I like to see Mark's misery, right? <laughs> but that was, um, yeah, such a great show. And then I, I'm a huge Jonathan Ames fan, but the only thing of his uh, his work that I had not read or seen was Blunt Talk up until about a month ago. So I bought I bought the series. Oh, that's awesome! I've, I've been picking my way through Blunt Talk. Um, so you're yeah, definitely you're involved with two of my two of my favorite shows. So really thrilled to speak with you. And then I mean, your short story is incredible work. So maybe I'm kind of rambling here, but I just want to hear. No, uh, if it's compliments, just keep rambling. This was the whole podcast. This is great. (laughs) Yeah, we need, we need more of that, right? There's so much negativity. So we need to throw some. uh, Certainly a lot of negativity over. uh, Yeah. Where I'm living. Yeah. In my, in my, in my life. Um, Well, that's, that's, that's awesome to hear. And and yeah, I can, I can start anywhere. I I was just thinking, uh, yeah, uh, stars doesn't make it easy to see 
uh, Blunt Talk. Um, I'm really glad that you uh, seeked it out. I got a, a, a photo over Twitter DMs the other day of uh, a new Twitter friend I have. We've never met. He's a big Blunt Talk fan. And he sent me a picture of he and his wife watching uh, Blunt Talk DVDs while she was uh, waiting to give birth. <laughs> and, uh, and then the, and then a few hours later, I got a picture with the with the baby and they were still watching Blunt Talk. So that made me feel nice. I'm gonna that's going to be a twisted baby when <laughs> <laughs> I guess that, that's incredible. Show. Well, I think with, with shows like like uh, that you've been involved with, you really. It, yeah, because I, I I got the um, I even got stars and I couldn't find it on stars. So um, I don't know if I was just doing something wrong. So I'm like, well, I, I, this is a show I know. Jonathan Ames was involved with. I know I'm going to be rewatching it, so um, I just bought it. But you have fans that are um, unlike other kinds of fans who are just like they know every line, or they they're just very very into the work. So that's got to be really cool to have. Um, you know, we watch so much, and I hate the word content. I think we all probably <laughs> probably do. But um, when you create something that is memorable and people want to come back to you. That's got to be a huge compliment. Uh, a huge compliment. And, you know, I mean, Blunt Talk's really Jonathan's, uh, Jonathan Ames' baby. And and uh, I, I was a, a fan of his and a fan of his books. So I was really excited to work on that show. And I was excited to work with a, you know, to work with a, I mean, he's a novelist and and nonfiction, but uh, I, I I think at least one one thing that stands out when I I do get those DMs from people or emails from people that love the show, I I think it's because there's just so much on there that wouldn't be on another show, uh, whether it's Patrick Stewart, you know, reciting poetry or uh, you know a, a John Cheever reference. Um, uh, I, I, I think there's a there's a I've gotten a few uh, DMs and emails from people that are in academia that really love the show. And then I think uh, also a very Jonathan Ames trademark is just the warmth between the characters. Um, uh, I, I think is something that uh, especially just now in the kind of the current phase of TV TV, there's so many anti-heroes. Uh, and and, uh, and and I, I enjoy I love antiheroes and 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 so many many uh, you know plot lines that might have to do with people kind of uh, tearing at each other's throats that there's kind of a, a warmth in the blunt talk crew when they're spooning yeah. and when they've got each other's backs that I, <laughs> I think people find uh, refreshing in a, uh, a kind of an edgy cable comedy you yeah. might expect the uh, the reverse for sure yeah so that that's how I even heard I heard about the book. Um, Jonathan uh, tweeted something about it and I any, anything he he tends to recommend I, I usually try to get my hands you know on a copy of it and I because I always love it it's always he's turning me on to writers that I completely fall in love with so um, and yeah with this book you know the cult in my garage it was just um, I, I loved it more than I than I thought I would it was just yeah just the stories but I mean I really I have the the titles of some of these um, and that was what's so great. They, they all have, it's tough coming up with a title for something. And these all like sparked my interest as I was about to read the short story. I'm like, Oh, um, like the, I mean, obviously the, the title story, the cult in my garage, that was <laughs> a very interesting, uh, title. And then I don't want to spoil anything, but man, what a, what a, what a story. I mean, I'm kind of curious, um, with with these short stories were some based on tv projects that you had been working on and you um translated them into a like a 
narrative prose or, or is this something separate, completely separate from TV work that you have been working on? Um, it's a mix, I would say mostly separate, but but uh, not totally. Um, yeah, I've always written stories, you know, since I was probably 18, 19, always sending them out to literary magazines to uh, to mixed success. And I would say a couple of years ago, I started to seem like I was I was hitting a little more uh, uh, getting getting the stories into literary magazines and posting them on Twitter uh, after or so, you know, a few people had read them. Actually, when I was working with Jonathan Ames, he read a couple. And so he was he's been super encouraging through the whole process. Um, but um, yeah, and maybe, uh, you know, a year and a half ago, maybe kind of a little little before the pandemic was starting, I felt like I had enough stories. I'd sent out a collection uh, years ago in my late 20s. It hadn't gone anywhere. And I was like, geez, I feel like I have enough stories where I could kind of pull them together into, into something, uh, you know, enough stories where I could put them together and uh, kind of take out the ones that I thought were the 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 uh that didn't work and 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 i felt like i kind of concentrated on stories that felt like the most contemporary not that any of the stories were you know people period pieces of people you know sitting in rooms ruminating uh, about things but but ones that felt like they could only be uh, only, only exist kind of in this current world um so uh yeah most of them existed purely as stories uh, as um, everyone knows as the cliches about screenwriting and TV writing go, it, it's really a stop and start frustrating business. So to be able to kind of stop and write a story on my own and have it exist in the world is like a, a thing that I do that I find super satisfying. Um, so there are a couple in there like uh, Exterminator, which was a, a story I wrote and then I wrote it as a, I shot it as a short film about two years ago. And then I did write a, a script for that. It's almost, it's like a horror comedy that I've been shopping around, um, but uh, but yeah, most of them exist kind of on their on their own. They fell into probably two out there for a TV show or a movie bucket, but uh, felt like there was an, an arc there that lent itself to a to a short story. Very cool. And I was just thinking about I think it's the um, non essential workers that short story. So that I mean that you're you're addressing the pandemic, uh, and that one's so clearly written pr fairly recently. Um, I am curious. I've talked to a lot of writers and different people about um, their their process because everything kind of went everything halted in a way uh, with novel writers. It was kind of the ones I've talked to, at least it was kind of split like um, some were like, well, my life didn't really change a whole lot because I was kind of like holed up in my my office writing. Uh, so they they actually found they were more productive in certain respects, and then other writers kind of hit a brick wall, and really struggled to come up with anything, um, you know, creative. So I'm, I'm just kind of curious. Uh, this you know last year and a half or whatever, um, what has been your experience with it? Clearly, you wrote you wrote at least one of the short stories in in that period. But I'm I'm curious about like collectively, um, kind of your your career and your writing. How was it impacted, or if it, if it was at all? It, it, it was okay. I wasn't, uh, you know, I spent enough time in my room. So it wasn't like I was one of those uh, people who was like, um, you know, uh, couldn't couldn't wait to bunker down and, and get some writing done. Um, I, I certainly had a, you know, the, the pandemic was, um, 
yeah, not 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 something I want to repeat. Although I guess it feels like we are repeating <laughs> yeah, now. Seriously. Um, usually my years kind of s- split up. It's kind of like half writing alone, and then half um, if I'm lucky enough to be half writing in a TV writers room. So so it wasn't. I was I was lucky in that it wasn't a total uh, you know rip me away from my usual off the mornings my usual life because I am writing at home a lot. But I didn't get that other that other half of the year around other other people in. So it was a, a, a little, little more solo time um, uh, working on things. And uh, I, I usually kind of have a, a, a list of projects that I'm, I'm working on for when I have downtime. So, so, um, so I would say it just from a, a purely creativity or productivity standpoint, uh, I'd, I'd, give it a, I'd give it a six. I'd give it a six. <laughs> um, I, I, you know, I, 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 I did get uh, a lot done right right before the 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 start of the pandemic i got a a new job so that was great so that took me through a couple months of assignments uh uh to do that was a a tv show that will almost uh positively never happen but at least that 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 i I had my mind on something else and then uh and then at the same time i was working on these stories and that kind of became my my pandemic uh project uh while other people Mm -hmm. were baking bread or learning languages um, <laughs> or, or dealing with their, you know, um, uh, issues. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this will last longer than bread. So that's, that's, well, who, <laughs> that's who, knows, who knows? I would like to pick up some new skills. I don't pick up skills easily. So I know like, same six. here. <laughs> uh, I, I am curious about your, um, like where you grew up. I obviously live in Los Angeles now. Um, I was a working writer, but where, where were you, um, where were you raised? Uh, when I was a kid, and I, I know you spent some time in Boston because I was listening to the Nick Flynn episode oh, yeah. the other day. Um, but I, I started in, in Boston, right in the city as a kid. And then um, uh, my dad uh, uh, came home one day and was like, what would you guys think about moving to Florida? And my mom was like, over my dead body. And then we, we moved to Florida the next year. So then uh, kind of middle school and high school was, uh, was South Florida. Um, uh, and then, uh, and then back up to, 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 uh, New England, upstate New York for, for college and then settled back in Boston after college and really felt like that was home. Uh, but did have the urge to try and write for TV and movies and came out here uh, a couple years after that, um, thinking that almost in this Ben Affleck, Matt Damon way, I was going to like start my empire and in, in Boston, uh, LA, and then move back to Boston, the greatest city in the world, which I still love. But after yeah. a year in LA, I was like, Oh, it's pretty, it's pretty good out here. It's not bad. Out. <laughs> Actually, the first year was terrible. The first year, I would say the, by the second year, I was like, Oh, it's pretty good out here. Yeah. First year. Yeah. Nice. I used to live in Long Beach. Um, okay. So like a, a, a different, a different world for sure. But um, it does kind of like, it takes some adjusting. I mean, I guess like with anywhere you move, it's when you, any, any um, city from my experience that's on either coast and I guess the whole country for that matter, it's like, um, you at least I did, I, I hated it at first. And then it kind of like you start adapting to it, but cause I'm from Salt Lake city and it's like, it's, it's a very easy place to grow up. And it's from my, from my point of view, um, you know, it's a quick to get anywhere um, you can kind of just like a spur of the moment, do, like go somewhere. You're in the mountains in 20 minutes. You're wherever. But um, I think just like my my uh, my patience was tested in a good way. So it was good to have those experiences. And I, I mean, I would love to live. I would live back in Los Angeles if I had the choice between um, Boston, Salt Lake, 
or LA, but uh, well, I, yeah, I, LA is tough because I, I feel like, and I'm, I'm, I, it sounds like maybe you were the same. You as a as a kid, at least, I'm poisoned. I always thought I was. I grew up to to think of San Francisco as this great city, but LA was, you know, this this place for Hollywood pariahs and just the cement <laughs> jungle. So when you pack up your car and tell people you're moving there, they just shake their heads like you're, you know, garbage. And then when you get out here and you do like it, then I, at least I was like starting to question myself. I was like, hold it, am I? Am I a bad person? I kind of like that. <laughs> um, but it's it's a, I, I, it is a tough city in the beginning because it, it is the city with no, as they say, no center. So you're living in kind of the, or at least I was living in kind of the grungier part of Hollywood. And I'm like, is this the center of town? This doesn't, yeah. doesn't seem that uh, seem that great. No, it's it's so true. I mean, because like, you have, I, in Boston, I lived, I lived in the North End. Oh. Um, so that, that's clearly like, like a, you know, it's a definitive space and you get out of the North End, you recognize that. And it's like, you have, um, I don't know, a sense of balance. I don't know if that makes sense, but in LA or, Orange County, there's so many little world, I think more so than anywhere I've ever been, there's so many worlds within that spot. And I, I still go down there a couple of times a year and try to explore a new oh. area. And I'm like, I, this is insane. Like, I, you know, um, like I was in Beachwood Canyon last time I was down there. I'd never been up there before. And it was such a cool little, you know, experience just walking through. Um, and then, you know, it's just incredible. Then, yeah, I was staying in East Hollywood <laughs> this last time. So I just ended up walking all the way back to my hotel. And it's, you have all these different worlds and communities kind of living, um, cut off from each other in a way. So it's, a, it's an interesting place for sure. Yeah. Oh, it sounds like you're very close to me. Yeah. You, it's I, it, I, like any city. Yeah. It's a, you find your neighborhood and then it's, uh, then you can kind of, um, not dismiss the rest of the city, but but then at least you feel like you might have a little more of a home base, and uh, and that feels uh, that feels a little more homey. Yeah, if you can if you can like um, help not having a massive commute every day and trying to, I mean, it's exhausting running around down there. So if you can just find one little area where you have like your grocery store, you have your your stuff, um, then it's yeah, it's all good for sure. Uh, I wanted to talk to you because I, I go to Sundance every year. So I, I read that you had a short film up there uh, at some point. Um, maybe I'm just curious. And then you said you made another short film a couple of years ago. Yeah. When I when I first moved out to L.A., uh, you know, I came out here like so many do with my my screenplays that I'd written, you know, back in the days when people had actual screenplays with the Brads in them and, and uh, stuff like that. Um, and uh, worked in screenplays for a while and, and had some lucky breaks, um, but definitely got to the point where I felt like I couldn't, um, I, I, wasn't, I wasn't selling or I wasn't, uh, nothing, was getting, nothing was getting made. So even if I sold something, which was great, uh, there was no control after that. Uh, you know, they might bring in the director, he might rewrite it. There was just a, not a lot of, um, there was not a lot of, uh, of payoff. Um, so I, I got into TV a little before the jump to TV, before kind of the mad rush to TV, to the golden age of TV, um, and that was great. But I did have this feeling like, oh, I, I miss, I miss screenplays. I miss that kind of storytelling structure. I, I kind of missed what I thought was going to be my trajectory, which was like, oh, I'd write so many great screenplays that someone would be like, this guy's a genius. Give him a camera. He probably knows how to direct, <laughs> which I don't. But I, I started uh, making shorts. So the, the first short was uh, just in my bedroom. 
um, just a very simple story about a couple having an argument. And I got really spoiled because from this very simple short that we shot at night, it went to Sundance. And then I was like, wow, I've got the I've got the magic touch. I must be I must really have my finger on the pulse. Um, <laughs> I have not been back to Sundance since, but uh, I've kept making shorts and I have a uh, uh, indie indie horror movie I'm trying to put together right right now that's a feature but I, I really love shorts and I feel like they are um, you know it's it's a similar itch to scratch as a short story in that uh, you know that's the, the whole enchilada it's a completed uh, thing that lives on its own um, that's not, obviously not as not as sizable as a feature comparable to a novel but uh, but that's fully satisfying and, and you know hopefully speaks for itself as a, as a little piece of art. Yeah, for sure. I, um, so I, I covered a bunch of festivals this past year, um, the online festivals, and this is my, you know, I, I've been, I would say probably the last 20 years I've been up to Sundance, you know, either just as a fan or, or covering different things. And, you know, it's close to where I live. Um, and I think what was so cool about this year was, you know, so disappointing we couldn't, me in person, but I saw so many short films that I never would have seen before um, just because I had, you know, full access to kind of like picking and choosing what I wanted to do. Slamdance did a really cool um, approach to their festival where it was, I think it was a two week period where um, you could just download their, their channel and you could stream, you could pick, and it was 10 bucks. So if you were, you know, anyone around the world for 10 bucks, they had two weeks full access to the entire catalog. Uh, and so I just spent one night just going through tons of short films. And I mean, there's so many incredible short, you know, shorts out there that, I, you know, it's so sad that people don't get to see them. So I think like, I'm hoping I've talked to a lot of people who were just, you know, kind of coming up and they, they made their first short. And um, we talked a lot about that, how, you know, maybe people will start kind of seeking these out more so than before. Um, and it is because it's like, it's, it seems really difficult, you know, short film, short story. I mean, I have so much respect for people who can pull that off because I, I certainly can't. Yeah. Um, in a short form, it's fucking hard. And when it's done well, you, you know, you can see that and you respect it. So, I mean, um, I forget what I was, what I was talking about. I just, yeah, well, I, I wanted to know the short the, film opening up your... that world of shorts. Yeah. I, I'm, I've had yeah. the same experience because the short, um, uh, that's kind of based on the short story exterminator, uh, that short film was playing and it was, it was, it got into all these, uh, horror festivals and genre festivals, which I was excited to go to because I've never even been to one as a, as a fan. Um, but you know, those, those festivals all became online. Um, and that was, uh, still a lot of fun to go to them. And, uh, I did see a lot of shorts that I probably wouldn't have watched if I was, you know, at the festival running around. Uh, but since I had the weekend, you know, pass to it and, and had the time I was, I was watching tons of them, tons of these yeah. really offbeat quirky horror shorts and, and really loved them. And I, I just love just getting on Vimeo and, and surfing around. There's so much yeah. great stuff on there. Yeah, definitely. That, that's the, the, when I was reading Exterminator, I, um, I kept picturing Marin as okay. a guy, like, I was like, this would be a perfect, I could see him interacting with this Exterminator and it would be so funny. I mean, I was, <laughs> um, so, I mean, I'm, I'm seeing elements of like, like just the tone of, of your writing, how it did, um, 
crossover when you when you wrote for the Marin show. I'm kind of curious about how like that process. Uh, that was three seasons. Or was it? Three? Uh, that was four seasons. Four I was seasons. really okay. there for two seasons. Then I did a, a little writing, a little consulting for the last two seasons. But uh, I was also on uh, Blunt Talk, so I was really there for the the first two. Gotcha. Uh, okay. And, you know, that show could have gone on and on. Mark, you know, was, was uh, anxious to do other things, I think. Um, maybe do, do something where he's not uh, having to dissect his life um, uh, constantly. <laughs> um, but it was great. I mean, that was a, a, a dream gig. Um, uh, usually when I kind of go into producers' offices like a salesman and pitch my, you know, sweat it out, pitching my wares and my ideas, uh, it's, there's often a pass, but then sometimes they might have something for you. And in my case, it's usually something terrible. It's, it's like a book that's like no one's ever heard of, or, or, or it's a, a book that's really exciting. That's a, that I'd love to work on, but they've got like 40 different writers who are pitching on it. And it's, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's a, a kind of a, probably an, an assignment that would go nowhere. So in this case, I was uh, pitching something to Dennis Leary's production company and they passed on the pitch, but they were like, you know, we do want to, we really want to work with Mark Marin, and uh, we're looking for a writer. And I, I think maybe they, they had a couple, and, and, and nothing had kind of clicked yet. And uh, they were putting up the money to do a pilot presentation, so it wouldn't just be writing something, but it'd also be getting to uh, to shoot something. Um, and uh, and I was a, a big fan, and uh, went over to meet Mark, and was a little nervous, and it was just great. It was just great. There's just so much. Uh, there, you know, the, the, his, his, the tone is already there. The, if you listen to the podcast, the characters are already there. And there's this like amazing hook of this, this, this guy who lives, I mean, now Highland Park's, you know, at, at the time was more of an outlier neighborhood of, of, of a man that lives in Highland Park and does a podcast and has celebrity guests, some of which she has a history with, some of which she might be, uh, you know, have an axe to grind against, some of which she's jealous against. Uh, or, or jealous of coming to his his house to do a talk show out of his house. I mean, it's it's just this great story generator. Um, and and for me, it was kind of like writing uh, fan fiction. Um, so it was, it was it was super fun. And it was so so we yeah we did this pilot presentation, and then uh, I think it, it took a while. I think like a year later, IFC picked it up, and uh, those were almost like shooting a little bit like short short films and a lot of those are feel like short stories uh to me as well um but but mark is such a great um character he's just so fun to write for because i feel like even though he's about 10 years older it just felt like we had a lot of the same references and i've, I've got so much of him in my head from knowing him for so long and uh, knowing him uh, through the podcast for so long that um it, it was just a lot of fun yeah and then we have your work with jonathan ames He's turned me on to a lot of great uh, noir. Yeah, Jonathan. Yeah, stage of his his career. Well, I I wanted to talk about um, the the foodie detective because that was like I think is that the longest one in. in the I collection? think that's the longest one. Probably that's the longest, and I think non essential. I I think that or maybe there are no hills on the Cape are probably uh, similar. But okay. uh, yeah, the foodie detective was the only one that I, I kind of broke up into little uh, uh, chapters um because it almost felt like a little bit of a novella um, yeah yeah i i used to have a i, I love jonathan gold um mm -hmm. who's the big la time or the uh, big la uh film critic who passed a few years ago and to me it just always 
there, there, there always felt like something about a detective to me about him. I met him once and he did mention like, he even made a little reference to, he's kind of like a detective. He goes into the restaurant. He's kind of like suss out where the ingredients are from. Are they fresh? And, and he's, he's got to like draw all, all these things and, and, and come up with like a, a conclusion and a, a working thesis of like, is this restaurant worth people going to? And I thought that was interesting. And just the always thinking about him and the imagery of him driving his white truck around LA, looking for these places, trying to scoop other food writers. And, and I have the same feeling on a kind of a global scale with, uh, with Anthony Bourdain. And Anthony Bourdain, you know, draws on a lot of detective uh, imagery uh, in his, his TV shows, for sure. Like they'll, they'll do, uh, when they did the Boston episode, they did, uh, they did it like very noir style, like that movie, The Friends of Eddie Coyle. And, yeah. When he's in Jamaica, they'll kind of do a James Bond uh, spoof uh, a little bit. So, and he and he and uh, Bourdain wrote um, hard boiled crime fiction. So, I I just feel like there's this this kind of crossover, oh, wow. especially with these nightcrawler type uh, foodies that really uh, 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 come out at night and, and are always kind of on the hunt for the, the the next great thing. Yeah, no, that one. I mean, that was great. Like, I I could have definitely read more of that character it was it was great and i didn't know anthony bourdain wrote um hard-boiled fiction that's i gotta check that out that's very yeah cool. yeah he's got one of these uh one book the bobby gold stories those are good and then another one i think it's called like rule the bone or something or actually that's russell banks something of the bone but uh yeah yeah his, his stuff's uh, really interesting yeah I, um I, I mean i love that that genre is you know you know comedy that 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 speaks to me and then and anything any kind of noir and noir with you know and a lot of noir is really funny when you <laughs> when you when you read it and kind of like jump into the character i mean jonathan his last book i don't know if you've had a chance to read a man named all I did. Yeah, oh, yeah great book funny um i'm looking forward to more from that character um yeah very cool yeah, no, I love the way, and I, I know he's, he might have talked about this on the show, I love the way the next book starts, you know, got a little teaser of the next yeah, chapter. Yeah, no, I'm excited, I'm excited, so hopefully um, that comes out, you know, next year, so that'd be awesome. Um, let's see, I wanted a couple other short stories that really, so Quebec really like grabbed me i just like i like it's like i know that girl <laughs> in that in that story uh, it, yeah such a such a the, the way you make these characters like so realistic i i was just curious you know you know we all writers pull from their life obviously um some more than others so i'm just curious about some of the characters uh because they are pretty unique and I, i'm just i'm curious about your development of character um you know, especially in that one particular that kind of grabbed me, the Quebec story. Yeah, I, I felt like for, for that one, um, I, I, I guess I was just really thinking of, um, I, I thought about a lot of people I've dated that uh, kind of have big uh, personalities that I've almost gotten, uh, you know, you almost kind of get swept up in the trajectory of, of their lives. They're like these, these shooting, beautiful shooting stars that you're kind of, uh, just holding on to um, because they're, they are, uh, I don't know if big personality is the, the, the right word, but um, uh, let's, let's stick with that for now. But, but so, so in that story, not so much based on a specific person, but I, I just kind of combined a lot of different traits of, of different people that I've, I've dated and thought about um, and think about fondly. Um, and, and one reason I, I 
think about them fondly, I think is, is and I think the character even has this line in the story is that um, sometimes you're, you're dating someone with a bigger, messier, uh, louder, crazier life and uh it it almost feels relaxing and uh soothing not to be the crazier more eccentric person uh, for a while you're you're you know you're almost uh certain people almost overpower you with uh with the, the chaos of their lives and you're just kind of like along for the ride and there's there's something um there's something uh that i have found uh, soothing about that and it's mm. been a proved to be a pattern in my, in my life somehow, right? Somehow, I guess I'm seeking out these people. Um, so, so that was, uh, yeah, that, then I guess uh, if I was thinking of, of that, it, it would really seem like it would be an amalgam of a lot of, a lot of different people. Um, it just kept getting kind of bigger and, and, and bigger as I kind of went through my previous d- dating life, thinking about different stories and, and, the, and, and, and somehow they all kind of worked on the, under the umbrella of one person. Um, yeah. Yeah. No, I, I love that one. Um, I know what you mean though, about like being the less like, you know, crazy neurotic one. Um, and you, you kind of <laughs> swear with it, like a, like a, a, a badge of pride. I'm a, I'm a high school, uh, history teacher. And oh, so, okay. and so, that. yeah, we, so we were, uh, here in Utah, we were in person the entire past year. Um, students had the option to do, um, you know, at home. Um, so we kind of had it split. We were kind of doing two jobs ineffectively. Um, but it was just interesting, like seeing coworkers who you could just see it. And I guess this is twisted on my part, but you, you just see it in the, in their eyes and the way they carry themselves and like, they're not, they're not doing good. So just the constant comparing yourself with like, I'm doing a little better than them. I feel, I feel pretty good about that. So, um, yeah, just, yeah, it just made me think of that for some reason. Yeah, there's there, there's an element of almost you become you become a different person a little bit that I felt like I was like, oh, when I think back on these relationships, I was like, oh, did I even speak like you're just <laughs> and I, I think there might be a little bit of. Um, uh, yeah, yeah, I, I also feel like I'm there for a temporary time. I'm going to be kind of pushed to the side at, at, at some point, too. So I'm just I'm, I'm trying to do everything I can because usually I'm, I'm enjoying the relationship and trying to make it work. But um, I, I do feel like my days are, are numbered in, in some of those. Mm-hmm. Where this, this person's going to be moving on no matter. You know no matter it. Yeah, you know it. Yeah. They're really the shooting star type quality. <laughs> That's great. I'm curious. So the, the, the title of story, um, The Cult in My Garage, also, you know, incredible. Uh, what made you pick that one as the title for the book itself? Um, well, that's actually funny. I, I bothered a lot of people, including Jonathan Ames, about titles. Um, I was like, geez, is it, uh, you know, I, I, I do like collections where there's a story uh, that is the title story. I, I feel like that feels kind of classic. And that's always kind of, uh, that's, that's, that's been what my, a few of my favorite collections have done. So, so it was like, well, which, which of these stories? And then I end up changing the stories, the titles of the stories to kind of fit the title of the book. Anyway, I always liked the cult in my garage. Someone did mention they, it felt like a, a goosebumps novel. Uh, so at that point, um, I, I, I did kind of come up with some other, some other uh, thing. I, for a while, I was going to call it everybody's uh, famous after that story, but I, I like many people, I think I'm, I'm almost sick of anything having to do with fame. So I, I didn't, and that's not really what the, 
the book is about. I, I felt like um, it felt like the cult in my garage felt just strange enough. I like the way it sounds on my, on my tongue. Mm-hmm. Um, and it feels like there's something there of a, a juxtaposition of like the surreal and, and the mundane that felt like it kind of fit with the book. Not that every story in, in the book has a surreal element. I think it's about um, like 70% of them, but um, it, it, it felt like there was something there with this kind of, uh, there's also a little bit of menace in there too, which I, I think a few of the stories have that I liked. Yeah. Yeah. No, that one, I mean, that one, the title, like that, when I, once I found out about the book, the title, I'm like, I, okay, I have to read this. Like, this is, I'm interested just off the title alone. So I think it was like a great choice for, oh, uh, good. for the collection. So yeah. Yeah. Good. I'll also read anything with, uh, or, or watch anything with cult in the title. So there might, that was, that was my own little, uh, <laughs> one person, uh, branding survey. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's like oh, cults. I, I think people still love cults. Oh, I can never get enough of cults. I'm always, I'm always reading about okay. cults, and then I'm like, I think, I think, uh, you know, and then just like how you, anything can be a cult almost, like a business. You know, yeah. it's it's just like it's never ending. So it is just just fascinating the psychology um, behind it, and why why people are drawn to it. Just absolutely. <laughs> interesting i know i can never get enough of it I, I can't get enough cults and i think part of it is that when i'm watching these you know these uh, docudramas or whatever they are i'm always thinking like would i fall for this mm-hmm. i think that's part of it in most cases i think the the answer is yes yeah <laughs> like yeah i get this i could i yeah. could definitely fall into fall into this yeah well no it's it's so true because like uh here in in utah we have uh, those huge multi-level marketing things or that's just like swallows up like so many people here and it's very ingrained into the culture uh, and so it it is just funny who you see um like i've done so many people fall for it completely and i you know i years ago when i was like really really depressed and kind of low i had a co-worker that i trusted and he and I'd always make fun of these people. And he totally suckered me into buying the, uh, the initial pack of some like dumb health, health food thing. And then within just like a month or so, I'm like, oh my God, they got me. They get, they, <laughs> they, they get you when you're weak. <laughs> so it's, it's, it's incredible. But yeah, I think like anyone is like religious or not, like anyone is susceptible uh, given the right circumstances that you're going through in life, they can, they can get you and they can get you good. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, they, they start very simple. It's like, who's not into vitamins? Who doesn't want to do oh, a little yoga? <laughs> Who doesn't want a little self-improvement? And then, uh, it's, it, you know, so it's, it, it starts innocently enough. There's certainly nothing wrong with uh, the first few steps or, you know, I guess some cults work for some people. So functioning cults. Yeah. I like it. <laughs> some people uh, drive. <laughs> I read um not to get go, go off too much on, on cults, but I read uh I think it's called Raven a while back about Jim Jones. Um per, pretty incredible. I mean it, it's a very, very in-depth biography of the guy, um, going back to his like you know, childhood. Uh just a, yeah, incredible stuff. And it you know, it started out seeming kind of okay, like you don't just become a cult leader <laughs> overnight. So of you know fascinating character study about about him and just like you know what what is known about him just the power the you know they can have over people and um yeah anyway <laughs> well, I'll, have you seen uh, my friend uh, clay tweel who's a great director did uh 
um, Haley's Comet, Cult of Cults on HBO. I, I, I added that. I haven't watched it yet. Okay, um, that's, that's the one cult that I watched and I was like, I want to join this. The cult. Heaven's Gate, right? Yeah. Something. It's like, nah. Yes, yes, sorry, that's what it is. That's is it Heaven's Gate or? Cult of Cults. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's like, no, I already have sneakers. I'm in a shroud, a purple shroud. I'm, <laughs> I'm good. <laughs> yeah. I got to check that out. That one looked like really, really interesting. Um, uh, speaking yeah, of, like, yeah. I so think st- there's a lot of cult like behavior in the book. Um, yeah. Uh, a lot of people searching for certain systems to kind of adhere to and then getting burned. Revenge um, app comes to mind, like just uh, <laughs> that, that, and what a great idea. I mean, maybe, maybe if you don't mind, maybe speaking about that story a little bit, the revenge app and sure, sure. Uh, just well, telling I, people I, what... I have been on my share of, of dating apps and I, you know, I, I love that they, I love when they have, you know, little, little gimmicks dating apps for cinists or, or, uh, you know, just different ways of like presenting the, the, you know, presenting yourself. Um, so I, I thought there was something interesting about, and I almost, uh, can I say, can I, you know, a re- revenge F is what they're. Sure. Yeah. You can, yeah, you can say. Okay. Right. <laughs> uh, I almost called the story that, but I didn't want it to be too crude. And also when you hear that, you think something a little differently. So, mm-hmm. So these these people are looking for revenge sex, but really as catharsis um, to get over their their ex and and uh, and find something new, um, not in a um, hopefully not not in a mean spirited way and like a, a sad sack. I just can't get over my ex. What what can I do? Let me find someone that looks like them and have a relationship and do all the things that I wish I'd done with that person and kind of act out my my fantasies of being. Uh, powerful, and maybe I was the one that, you know, dumped them or turned the tables, or just or just reenacted the way you might reenact trauma. Um, so this is this is really a, a revenge sex app, and uh, and it um, is abused by some people, and is uh, taken a little too literally by others. And you really have to uh, the, the character in that. I just love the idea of someone who who takes the app so literally that uh, he starts enjoying becoming the the character he's playing much more than the the, the character or the, the person he is. Um, and in that way, he kind of finds a little a little peace and a little bit of uh, emotional growth uh, in a way that he probably hadn't expected. Um, although hopefully I, I left it. Uh, that's definitely not the way to achieve. Uh, achieve emotional growth so so he might be in for a, a, a bumpy ride emotionally after that but but he does a, a achieve a, a little bit a little bit of zen by the end um but yeah i'm uh, you know that that uh, that app idea is out there and if anyone wants to license it and <laughs> cut me in on a piece of the pie i'm not really sure how to start an app but i feel like it's a pretty good idea i yeah i mean i reading it it sounds ridiculous at first but then it's like oh this could this could be a thing. This might even be a thing. Who knows if I do enough digging, maybe something like this is out there. I mean, I could totally see people um, jumping on board for that, you know? Um, yeah. You know, I, I felt like it definitely had to be set in a big city like LA. And that's why I made a kind of a meal of the distance that they're, they're driving to see each other. Cause just the odds are, be, you know, probably wouldn't be someone in your neighborhood that you'd find who would, who would match to look just enough like your ex for you to be able to have a, a, a relationship with them. So the opposite sides of the city, there's just enough there. And then they both get their uh, directions from each other on how to act to really, really play the ex. Um, uh, yeah, so there's a little, little, bit of, little bit of vertigo in there. Um, <laughs> 
Love it. Love it. Uh, well, maybe we could, uh, finish up talking about anything you've, you've read or seen that you, that you really enjoy that you'd recommend. Um, I know, I know with myself the past year, I've, I've watched probably a lot more, you know, TV shows and different things that I probably wouldn't normally have come to. So, um, yeah, just curious, anything that has really like struck you recently? Uh, well, let's see. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm probably watching a lot of the, the I'm watching white, Lo- the white Lotus, which I think mm-hmm. probably everyone in the world is, but yeah. I don't think, I don't think I need to give Mike white a plug because sure. <laughs> it's so good. Um, uh, just since we're speaking of short stories, I just read, uh, Emma Klein's book, Daddy, and I, I love that. A lot of her stories I'd read in the New Yorker, but I was like, this is like a, just a great classic uh, uh, collection of, of stories. Um, I, I, and I, I, I read the Tarantino, another person who does yeah. not need to be plugged, but I read the Tarantino <laughs> novelization and, and found it uh, just bizarre and endlessly yeah. entertaining. Yeah. Um, uh, and uh, as far as, yeah, things I'm watching, it might be a little, little off the radar. I was in a we took a break for the summer, but I'm, I've been in a film noir Zoom club. Mm, um, nice. So we've been watching all these noirs and it started off with L.A. noirs. And then we kind of it went international. Then it was like it was like Japanese noirs, Italian noirs. Um, and then it would be uh, kind of with a uh, with a with a theme, um, you know, um, LGBTQ noirs and things like that. So what watch some really great, great noirs. I rewatched uh, Point. Point Blank recently with mm-hmm. Marvin, uh, love that one. Um, trying to think and uh, Body Heat not too uh, long before that. So been been watching a lot of great noir. Um, let's see what I, I read the uh, book about Chinatown, the making of Chinatown. Yeah, I picked that up. I haven't read it yet though. That looks um, really good. It it is fantastic. It reads like a novel. I can see why the rights were picked up. And now, um, and then I started reading that same author's book about the history of of uh, improv, and uh, he's a really great film writer. Okay. Um, nice. Sam Wasser, I think. Is yeah, great. yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I've been meaning to to read the Chinatown book, so I'm glad you reminded me of that. I've heard I've I've heard nothing but good things from people I respect. So. Um, um, yeah, and I think next I'll read the, um, I love uh, Mark Harris, his film books. I love that book, um, Pictures at a Revolution. Mm-hmm. So I think I'll read his Mike Nichols book uh, next uh, and be depressed by what a <laughs> huge life this guy uh, had. Um, yeah, but those, 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 are, those are a few of the things. Um, I'm excited to read Tao Lim's book as well. I've heard that's great. Leaving mm-hmm. society. That might be next on the list. I'm trying to see if I have what did I, what have I been reading lately? Um, I think after I read uh, Ames's last book, it kind of got me on like a, a kick of of old yeah, old stuff that I had either never read before or um, I've it's been so long that I've completely forgotten. So let's see. So uh, I think this is the one I'm working on right now, the Nathaniel West. Oh, writings great. and this one this one's because i never i'd read uh you know the day of the locust like that's probably his most notable one but i'd never read any of the other stuff so this has been a pretty cool um read so far and it's funny like you look at the like the i think he's younger so i'm i just turned 40 he's young he's like in his 30s here so it's funny you see these pictures of these guys and you think uh you know 
he, he died before he was 40. So you see these pictures and it's like, oh, they're like a, that's like my dad. That's a grown up right there. Yeah. And, uh, no, it's like, oh, there's 35. <laughs> well, I, I love Miss Lonely Hearts. And, um, and just speaking of the noir club in the, in the uh, we did a Hollywood noirs uh, session and watched uh, Day of the Locust, which I'd seen as a kid. Mm -hmm. That movie is so disturbing, so uh, visceral, violent, just, it is, it, it, you just can't believe that this was a big tentpole studio movie released in theaters. It's, the, it's, 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 it's gotta be one of the most transgressive big budget movies ever made. I actually really, it's, it's I enjoyed it more than I had remembered. Uh -huh. I think, cause I was just, just so shocked by it, so. Um, I've yeah. never seen it. I need to, I need to seek that if, out. Like you're, immediately. if you're in for a, yeah, if you want to be uh, disturbed, I mean, everybody <laughs> in it is, is great. Donald Sutherland and Burgess Meredith. Uh, it looks great. Um, yeah, it's, it's quite a ride. And then I would say my other favorite, the noir discovery I really liked, we did it when we did Italian noirs, we watched a movie investigation of a citizen above suspicion. Okay. Um, that was a great a Italian noir and almost felt like, uh, I, I wondered if Brad Easton Ellis had ever seen it because it, it almost has like little shades of American Psycho in it. Uh -huh, uh -huh. Uh, so that's that's my obscure noir wreck. That's so cool. No, I mean I, I love I love chatting with noir because I feel like I can, I kind of came to it late. So I, it's so in a lot of ways I love coming to things late because then it's like I have the whole thing to like you know delve into and it's going to take me a long time. So. Uh, yeah, such a such an incredible genre, and I think like when it's done, like I'm reading the Stark books that 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 um, Ames is always talking about. Yeah. So I'd never even heard of those books up until maybe a year or so ago, and I have so many more to go through, you know. So it's like they're just incredible, incredible. I mean, I never, I, I can't believe I never heard of the guy before, and that's just yeah. one of his names. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I can't believe how many how many books he's written as well. Uh, yeah, no, Jonathan got me started on the John D. McDonald books. Yeah. Uh, uh, which I, I could not believe how good the first one was. Yeah. Uh, uh, now I'm spacing the name, but uh, it, it's great. I know they've tried to make it into a movie many times. I think they did make it into a movie um, in 1970, but they've been talking about doing one with Leonardo DiCaprio for a while. I, I think mm -hmm. it's called the, the Big Deep Blue Goodbye. Um, I'll look it up. I'm not sure on that. Yeah, I'm not sure. No, it's that's great. cool. I mean, what a page. Uh, yeah, well, I don't want to keep you too long, but I, I am kind of curious now that this has got me thinking about just like, yeah, these these older dudes. And, you know, I think maybe a lot of it was like that was it was their, you know, they depended on producing so much so they could be paid for selling these pulp novels. But so many of them are so good. Um, but it's just amazing when you look at the list of their their credits, like throughout their life. And, you know, they've written. 100 150 books or whatever not to mention screenplays so um and it's you know a lot of it's incredible stuff so i'm just kind of curious about your process of writing that you know you do um primarily tv and film but you're, you're writing uh fiction as well so uh sounds like you have your a lot of projects maybe going at once i'm just really curious about your your process for writing is there a specific uh way you do it or is it the the project dictate kind of how you approach it um yeah well just to say it was, it was the deep blue goodbye was the book it was deep the blue John goodbye Dick, so okay it's, that's the first of the of uh, of that detective series and it's it was amazing and the second one's great too and i'll, I'll dive into the rest um 
Uh, uh, they're, you know, for, for the jobs, they're all really custom, custom jobs. Um, for me, I, I keep kind of normal, kind of, you know, boring business hours uh, in a little home office. Um, and uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's some days it's kind of like spinning a lazy Susan of projects, uh, a lot of which seem to be going nowhere. It's not kind of like the oftentimes, I, I, you know, the fantasy of, of, of being a writer that I, I always liked and hoped to get to where I've, I kind of wake up and I've got that one project I'm working on. Um, you know, eventually when I was getting closer with this book, that's what that became. And that was really great. I was like, all right, I've just got to, if I'm going to get it done, get this collection done, I've got to put everything aside and just focus in on that. And I really love that. Um, that's, that's, you know, heaven. Um, but, but more often than not, I'm kind of spinning a few different things and those will be a collection of projects that I'm either trying to get off my the ground myself and maybe try and sell and a, a collection of things that are assignments um, that I'm either trying to get or I've been hired for and I'm trying to complete and not uh, screw up. So um, yeah, yeah, it's, 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 it's kind of a, kind of a mix. Mix, Yeah. Yeah, but um, I guess as far as process, yeah, right, right in the office, usually have music blasting, but any, no, no uh, lyrics, unfortunately, okay. with lyrics, and I have a dog here to keep me company. Oh, nice. You got to have a dog. I mean, I have, I'm a big dog person. I have three, too many, but like, I, I was just before, before talking to you, I, I had one out on, on a walk and it just kind of dawned on me. It's like, like each of these dogs, because I saw this like really thick guy with his dog, like across the park and he's just dogs off leash he's throwing the ball the dog's just like obediently coming back and i can't let my dog off leash and and i'm like i think clearly our dogs they always say it's like they're a reflection of your personality and i think like my three dogs inhabit like all the worst qualities that i have in <laughs> each one it's like split between three dogs one's like <laughs> one's anxious and neurotic and one is just like kind of sneaky and you know knows they shouldn't be doing things but they they do it anyways when they can get away with it so um oh, love it. well at least you're, you've you've spread your neuroses over three <laughs> dogs my poor dog is just is he's, a, he's only like 17 or 18 pounds he's got a shoulder all my neuroses and anxieties and personality quirks so it's a lot on him yeah it's like who who's feeding it is like is, is it like i mean i guess we're the we're the the human so we are we drawn to dogs like this or do we like make it work i don't know it's it's a fascinating thing what kind of dog do you have Oh, he's a little mutt. Uh, he's pretty heavily featured in my social media. People are always like, why don't you get your dog his own Instagram? I was like, because that's that's 90% of my posts. Um, <laughs> he's got the soft fur, so he's probably got half poodle, maybe some Portuguese water dog or Shih Tzu in him. Um, I never got him tested. I know there's I know there's a part a little poodle in him, yeah. but I got him at a rescue maybe 10 years ago. His name was Rasta. <laughs> and I didn't know if I could pull off having a dog named Rasta. So I his, name, his name, his new name became Snacks. Snacks. That's a good, I love it. And for love 10 it. years, actually, if, since you've been watching Blunt Talk for the Elizabeth Shoe episode, uh -huh. she uh, uh, seduces Patrick Stewart and her nickname, uh, she tells him it's Snacks. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Doggy Easter egg for the Blunt Talk heads out there. I love it. I love it. Um, well, yeah. So anything else you want to say about the book? I mean, I can't say enough good things. I, I love it. It's something I'm going to definitely uh, read again. And I, I mean, I, I love your style of writing. It's just 
it's just incredible. I, I just want to say thanks for, for reading it. And really, this is the first conversation I've had with anyone about the book who wasn't either a friend who was reading it, uh, the, the publisher, uh, uh, Mallory and her team at Maudlin House. Um, so this is like super exciting. We we're going in fresh. And when you were talking about how fast you read it, at first I was worried. I was like, oh God, it's like a Band-Aid he had to like tear off really quickly. Or I guess it is kind of a short collection. So <laughs> the fact that you um, you enjoyed it is, is uh, great. And it's been interesting uh, just posting about the book and telling people about the book and starting to, to talk about it. You know, a, 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 not everyone reads short stories. So when someone from you know, high school, you haven't talked to in 20 years, emails, you're just like, I'm going to buy your book. I almost feel a little anxiety. I was like, oh, should I warn them? Some jokes <laughs> in there that maybe it's too off color. Um, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a very different kind of animal than, than a, a, a novel that uh, will usually uh, have some kind of, uh, uh, you know, conventional uh, plot and, and structure and, and, and payoff. So, so, yeah. Um, uh, you know, stories are very different things. So especially if, 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 if you're not used to reading them, then, then it, you know, it is sometimes it's hard to push the book on, on unsuspecting people. So anyway, yeah. uh, I'm rambling, but it, it oh. was just, I was just so excited that you, that you liked it. Um, oh, good. I had like, and, and I don't read a whole lot of short stories. So I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm sold even. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I read it fast and um, just because I didn't have, the impulse control to put it aside. And, you know, I just, I was like, Oh, I love this. This is exactly, I, I kind of had a feeling I would really like it just based upon the the projects you've been involved with. And, um, you know, just finding you on, on Jonathan's Twitter, I kind of had a feeling and the title drew me in. Um, but it was like, I, yeah, I don't want to be a brown noser, but I just like, I totally, yeah, I totally book. loved it. It was like so much better. Um, than I was hoping for. So it was just such a cool, right. unique book. And I definitely, like I said, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to recommend it to all, you know, my friends and people who contact me on my website. And it's just, um, it's an incredible thing. It comes out August 8th next, uh, we're recording this yep. on a Tuesday. It so might be, Tuesday. It might even be the ninth. Okay. So, um, around there, but, okay. uh, yeah, yeah. So, you know, it's for sale on Maudlin house. And then I, I tell people in LA to order it from, from our local bookstore, Skylight Books will have it. Right. And, uh, that's really great. It's also validating that you like the title because I, I wrung my hands about it so much. And then a yeah. few people were like, well, you shouldn't even call the, the, that story, the cult in my garage. Cause it kind of gives away, gives away the, uh, the goose, <laughs> um, but I was like, ah, oh, but it just sounds, I don't know. It sounds cool. Yeah. I didn't know what, I didn't know what to expect. I mean, I guess maybe I'm, I'm, I'm ignorant and naive, but I was just like, I wasn't sure. I mean, I had no idea which, uh, you know, what direction you were going to go with it. So in, until it started happening. Uh, so I think it's, I think it's an awesome title and I really hope a lot of people, um, you know, find it. And uh, I'm going to put this episode out on the day the book is released. I'll put links to Skylight Books. Um, so I love that bookstore. I'm, I go down there every time I'm there. You're the best. Um, but yeah, Duncan, thank you so much for taking the time. Thank I, you. I mean, yeah. What a treat. It's yeah, great. I'm excited. I'd love to have you on again down down the road when you uh, maybe you get your horror comedy film um, out there or, or anything else you want to you want to plug. I'd love to have you on and chat some more because it sounds like we have a, a lot of the similar interests. So I think it'd be fun. To yeah. Yeah. Your guests. I, I know so many of your guests. So I was oh, like, that's oh, cool. Yeah, that's cool. Um, yeah. Thanks, Tyler. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. Okay. Take care. Bye bye. Bye.